right, here we are. Hey there. Hey. <sighs> so this is episode two of the Witches Get Stitches podcast. I'm Ian. And I'm Lane. And we're here to talk about all things knitting, um, witchcraft related, and otherwise. Um, how are you? It's been a I'm little while. tired. Yeah, this is yeah. the first time Ian and I have seen each other in like a week because I was on vacation. Right. Um, I was in uh, Crystal Beulah, Michigan on Crystal Lake. Beulah? Beulah. Like okay. the woman's name. Like a really sad woman. Wait, so I saw you were like hashtagging shit. What was shit Coven fish? on Shitfish Island. Is it actually called Shitfish fish no, Island or was we, this what you dubbed it? We got there and there were two dead fish shitfish. rotting up the beast. Yeah. And shitfish. the second we got there, Allison's dog ran over and shit directly on them. <laughs> And um, I so don't, shit, yeah, I don't handle like gross things very well yeah, at all. Right. Um, as far as I'm aware, like please never have a bodily function. And so oh, I couldn't yeah. deal with this. As as Erin, who's one of the the friends I went on this trip with, so lovely pointed out, she has seen me vomit while cleaning up cat vomit. So <laughs> we're trying not to, I should say. Uh, so I certainly wasn't taking care of it, and so it stayed Shitfish Island for about a day and a half before right. one of us finally got brave enough to dispose of the shit and the fish. The shit and the fish. Um, however, the second fish was just chucked into a tree. Oh, because there were two fish. Yeah, it didn't successfully go all the way in the woods, so we could see it rotting oh. in the tree for the rest of the trip. Lord. Luckily, almighty. the smell dissipated once Lindsay was brave and chucked it into the woods. That's good. So yeah, we had something going for Class us. That was just classic. Uh, I mean, that's feminism right there. Right, taking right. care of ourselves and and just fish and shit and just all of the above yeah. on an island. Right. Yeah, it was it was perfect. So it was a great trip. Um, I miss everybody and the location already. Uh huh. And I'm and I ended up my trip home was a little rough because I ended up stranded on the tarmac at the Atlanta airport for about two and a half hours. Did they like literally? You were in the. We, the they plane. boarded the plane, and then we got in line to take off. Because I don't know if you've ever flown out of Atlanta, but it's a major hub for, like, all yes. of the airlines. So yeah. the line for takeoff is huge. Right. And we got to, like, second in line. Or so I heard. I fell asleep, so I found out about this from my seatmate later right. in the day. Um, but I guess right before we took off, they realized we had some sort of mechanical failure. Right. So we had to wait for the line, then taxi back to the gate. They had to fix the mechanical error, which was quick. They didn't even get us off the plane for it. But then they realized that in all the driving around the airport for the last hour, we oh, they sure needed fuel. more fuel. So then we had to wait for them to That's refuel. That's so stupid. And then we had to get back in line to take off. Oh, my um, God. So we were stuck on what should have been an hour and 20 minute flight. I was on the plane for like four hours. Oh, my it sucked. And that was my second flight of the day. So That's also it was the just worst. A lot. One time I got stranded in Cleveland on a flight. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> it gets worse. On a flight to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. This was after I had gotten, we had gotten stranded in Shanghai, China. Everyone's yelling at all the people in, in China saying like, hey, we need to get on a flight. And they're like, mm, not today. And because it was a typhoon. I mean, it wasn't their fault. So... And then we just took forever and then stranded in San Francisco and then stranded in Detroit, I think, on the way back. And then also stranded in Cleveland. And then finally, when I get home to Dayton, no, it was a Cleveland Cleveland to Dayton flight. Why does that exist? Then I got home to Dayton and then the people said, I am sorry, we're going to have to leave you on the plane for another couple of minutes because they turned off all the electricity in the air, in the airport and we just... 
we don't have anybody to bring out the air bridge to us. And I was like, I'm actually going to die on this plane. <laughs> and I had just been crying and crying and crying. Anyway, it was terrible. Was terrible, terrible life uh, moments for us. Mine wasn't that bad. Yeah. I at no point cried, but, just to make it you know, clear. <laughs> close. So what'd you get up to while I was out of town? Um, this week was a, the worst nightmare week of uh, many of the nightmare weeks that have ever existed in the history of uh, my life in the last year. It was terrible. What work, happened? Work was basically awful. I just had like, I've had like some real coworker drama at work and um, I don't need to get into like With all the of dude it. I'm thinking of? With the, yeah. So, okay. so one of the things that that basically happened was long story short no work has been done in the last uh month or so and i didn't know that until uh tuesday and so then uh that was no fun at all so it was one of these things where it was like hey can this be done on tuesday this this was me last friday hey can this be done on tuesday because we need to really like move forward with this stuff and then Tuesday came and went, and then Tuesday morning came, and we were like, so where is this? And it's like, not even close. Oh, cool. You've got lots of work to do. Tuesday, end of the day, check back in. So where are we? Mm, no progress has been made. Great. So, and then just, like, repeat that whole story rest of the week. So then it was terrible. So then basically, by the end of the day, Friday, I was, like, ready to get the hell out of D.C., did end up getting out of D.C. and went to a gay climbing convention in West Virginia, which was actually very nice and refreshing. Like, the being outdoors, I fell asleep in a hammock for, I think, like two hours at a certain point. It was wonderful. It was very nice. They took me... In uh, Michigan, my friend's lake house where we were staying mm -hmm. has access to a private beach on the lake. Mm -hmm. And that was lovely. And I finished a bunch of novels and I had the time of my life. But the last night we were there, their parents took us to this beach on Lake Michigan that's known for finding rocks. Mm -hmm. um, and that was too much nature. Oh. Because this it wasn't p perfectly cultivated to walk on. And I only oh. have vanity flip-flops, not like actual yeah. substantial. I brought six-inch gold stilettos on this vacation because like I thought that was possible, but not yeah. like shoes you could walk on a beach in because no. beaches should be sandy. So when you're saying like sleeping in an outdoorsy nature, sleeping in a hammock, that's my version of hell. I slept in a hammock and I climbed a rock and I got about midway up that rock and I needed to expose my breasts to, to the world because it did that did need to happen because I was having a moment and I was very angry and upset. Did you feel rock. like Lion King? I felt sort of like Lion King, but if Lion King was like my my body is if it was ninety minutes of your body failing you, <laughs> and then like and then you get up on the rock and you're like, ah, that was very successful and I just needed to expose a lot of things. Um, and it was great. It was, it was very nice. We had burritos. We were late to the drag show, um, that happened on Saturday night. So last night, um, but that was fine because we still got to see some people in drag out and about and hanging out. Um, oh my God. One of the guys, at, one of the, the guys who lives there, it lives in West Virginia, was like talking about his dog, which was some sort of like lab hybrid mix and he was like, he was like, oh, this dog, he's he's a real oaf. Oh, he's a real funny one. You know, one time, 4th of July, 
I go out and get a bottle rocket and I put it in a pipe and you know how you like let the bottle rockets go out in the pipes and dogs are supposed to be scared of them right dog went up to the pipe grabbed the bottle rocket into his mouth bottle rocket goes off hit my uncle in the face <laughs> and I was like I was like this is this morning this morning this was this morning oh my god I was getting my breakfast and I was like just putting stacks and stacks of bacon on my plate and this was happening right next to me and I was I was like I do need coffee but I am very interested in everything that's going on right now so what you're saying is you absolutely need this vacation you have coming up tomorrow Yes, but I also, like, I loved that shit. I, it was so great. It was great. But I am excited about leaving for vacation tomorrow. But, you know, that can remain a mystery for a little while. We'll just talk about that when I get back, maybe. Well, I he, don't know. Ian's going to Europe for two weeks. I'm going to so Europe for two weeks. The it's, next podcast might be slightly delayed depending on yeah, yeah. the exact timing of that. So that yeah. we should at least say. Yeah. But Paris, Berlin, Iceland, I'm going to get so much wool and then some. It's going to be great. All right, Lane, so what are you knitting right this moment? I'm being a brave soul, um, and I'm working on the heels of the um, Eiffel Tower socks. I finished the bulk of them on my vacation, but they have an afterthought heel. And I... Right, you've been complaining about that for a couple of hours. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not happy. Not happy at all. I somehow miscounted and... I don't knit, I knit socks on a small circular, so I use stitch markers to denote, like, needle one, needle two, oh, okay. um, as the patterns have it written. Oh, because when you're doing a heel, they're not, it's not in the round. I mean, you're watching me knit it in the round right now. No, and, okay, but the instructions are like, you're saying it's in needle one, needle two. The instructions this, for these socks assume you're knitting with two circs. Got it. Um, and I don't. So I use stitch markers to notate sort of where the needle should be. Mm-hmm. And I was just dumb and put the stitch marker in the wrong spot. Right. So I ended up knitting like half the heel um, with just the wrong number of stitches on each needle, which wouldn't be a big deal except for the fact that this decreases for the heel were about six stitches off. So it would right. not then, you know, fit my foot. Um, so anyway, I had to rip that all the way back and start over, which stunk. And but you so actually made a bunch more progress on yeah, it, even a, since you've started over so like it looks yeah. quick I'm like halfway done it is quick that's you just good. like it's counting that's the hard part you know yeah. like basic basic progressive numbers under 20 mm-hmm. is really what I can't do right so right. I'm working on that but I'm worried I'm gonna get a little distracted podcasting so I have the yoga shawl sitting next to me that I might switch yeah because you were gonna do that but it seems but you're you're I'm, taking the risk i'm on then, a roll and i don't want to stop right. and i also want to get these done i don't like after lot heels this is the second pair of the mucklucks have them and i actually i'm like 75 percent of the way through a pair of those i mm-hmm. finished one mm-hmm. but i wanted to figure out how the these are the heel the drain. andrea maori yeah mucklucks. her yeah. wanders mucklucks mm-hmm. um so i wanted to figure out how it worked and my strategy with those was to just rip out the yarn um, holding the afterthought heel, the, the scrap yarn, mm-hmm. and then just pick up, assuming I could do it as if like I dropped stitches, oh no. Yeah, didn't work, because those stitches on the end don't know they're stitches. Right. So I ended up making it up, and they look like disasters. So I figured with these socks, I would try to do it right, and it worked out really well on one side and like mediocre on the other. And I just don't understand why I wouldn't... I, I should have just changed the pattern and done a heel flap, but I figured I was learning a new skill and that was important and whatever. What... Mm, is this the right time to ask this question? 
What is the difference between a heel flap and an afterthought heel? I do think I've asked you this question like six times. So before. there's like a billion different ways to knit heels. Right. Um, but the difference between those two particular things mm -hmm. with a heel flap, you it's usually done from cuff down. So basically you need a tube. Mm -hmm. And then you divide that tube in half. Mm -hmm. And half the stitches you just put on scrap. Mm -hmm. And the other half you knit a flap. Okay. That would be the back of your heel. And then you pick up stitches along that flap on each side and then turn the heel and then you knit the foot. So Got it's it. basically like the tube and then a little hangy part when mm -hmm. you first do it. And then you knit off all of that to rotate it and make the foot. Whereas an afterthought heel, mm -hmm. if you're doing it, these are toe up, but you can do it either toe up or cuff down. Right. Um, you just either put a piece of scrap yarn where you're going to put the heel and knit the tube in one go, or you can do it even without the scrap yarn if you're brave enough to cut, which I think I actually would have been. Um, is the cutting, is it similar to steaking or is it not the No, because there's no reinforcement. Okay. You're just... Some people steak without doing re reinforcement. Isn't that crazy? They just use like super sticky wool and just cut it. No, I wouldn't trust that. Um... Then, but then I guess you have to be really careful because you have to felt along the side and everything. Yeah, that's the part that anyway. I worry about. But So anyway, um, that's what I'm doing right now if I can maintain the mental concentration. Otherwise, I'll slip, switch back to the entirely stockinette project. Right. Anyway, that's my sock drama. What are you working on? I am currently, okay, in this very moment, I'm working on the close to you shawl by Justina Kurkowska, right? She's Letes Knit, L-E-S, uh, Justina Lorkowska. I keep on screwing up the K and the L in that for whatever reason, but it's Letes Knits on, on Instagram. Um, this is that, this is the shawl that is a single skein. It is beautiful. It is perfect. It is a great pattern. I've basically like I've been knitting this for not actually that much time and it, it just like moves super quickly because it's just a triangle shawl on the bias and it has this these really nice like eyelet um border sections. What yarn is that? This is Madeline Tosh. It's a single I forget exactly what the name of the colorway is, but it's like speckled, pretty mm -hmm. white base kind of thing. Um I put a picture of it up on Instagram in my Pomo account, but we'll probably, I'll add it on the, um, or the, the actual podcast account. But it's like, it's so, like this yarn is so buttery. Like I've never, do you remember, okay, do you remember when we were at, um, I think it was the trunk show at Knot House or something like that. And some woman, like some witch came behind our, our heads and was like, because I was looking at some yarn there. I think it was like the Jill Draper knits. Do you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? That like green colorway of fingering weight yarn. And I was like really obsessed with it. And then this witch just popped up out of nowhere and was like, oh, you have to knit with that. It's so yummy. Mm -hmm. And I re distinctly remember her saying that it was yummy, mm -hmm. which is very common, right? For people to refer to yarn as like, it just is so yummy when it knits up. You know what I mean? I've never understood that until this yarn this Madeline Tosh yarn is it's amazing and I avoided it for a very long time because everyone's like 
oh Madeline Tosh Madeline Tosh Madeline it's like the the like I don't even know how whether you would call it indie dyer because it's like I think it's too commercial at this point but like what does indie dyer mean if indie dyer means hand dyed then it I think it's all hand dyed. Right, but I, right? I don't think those th- two things are synonymous. I think all indie dyers hand dye, but I don't think all hand dyed yarns are necessarily indie dyers. Hmm. What makes an indie dyer an indie dyer? Let's I think sound you're not off. talking about like a commercial distribution like setup where you right. can easily replicate colorways. Right. This would be a really good time to plug the call-in feature on on the anchor app because people can call in to our show you know that do you know this mm-hmm. right so if you're listening you can call in to the show at 12 22 no 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 <laughs> you call in whenever you're listening and okay. then you're like and then we can listen to it and then we can edit so what makes an indie dyer an indie dyer if you have a better answer that to me for me than they hand dye their yarn which is my definition and the parent, and I don't think we agree about that. But is Madeline Tosh an indie dyer? Does that count? Probably not. But it's beautiful and wonderful, is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Call in if you think that I am desperately wrong, and then and then I'll just shout you down. <laughs> instead remotely. of just shouting me down. Yeah, instead of just shouting Lane down while I'm sitting on her couch and just ate a bunch of her cereal and shit. Um. Anyway, that's what I'm knitting right now in this moment. It's fantastic. It's just, it's a really, so this pattern is written just really well in that it's so simple. You, it like, my favorite patterns are the ones where you can read it for like two minutes, maybe do like one repeat of something, and then you put it down and you never look at it again. And that's exactly what this is. Like, I don't have to look at the pattern. I threw it out and it's just good TV knitting, but it's like, got some interest in everything with these like this like border section so anyway that's what i'm working on right nice. now. nice i like it it looks really good i'm very happy with it it's it's been it's been a fun adventure i'm pretty sure there's a ghost in my phone i just witnessed a ghost inside because i'm pretty sure the the ghost oh my goodness i was just trying to put per, okay since this is a po- the magic of podcasting we no one can see what we're doing so we could just lie but mm-hmm. there's a ghost in my phone I just tried to touch a button and then the screen kept going on and off and on and off and on and off and then I felt a slight chill run through my body. Anyway, so the other stuff that I'm working on right now is... (laughs) My brain doesn't work. No, I'm... So Lane did this really awesome thing for me which is to put all of the works in progress that I mentioned on the podcast on episode one of the podcast. Or mentioned to me after it. Yeah, listen to episode one of the podcast. We talk so much shit about Twilight which we just finished watching like 10 minutes ago but she's got ian is currently knitting and then all of my projects laid out for me in a way that my brain can't handle doing which is this is perfect um anyway so i'm also in the middle of knitting i've since made a glorious return to the boxy lace top Mm -hmm. um because i finished knitting the the eyeball shawl that i was complaining about last uh time around so i don't know if we're we probably yeah um so i'm i've returned to the boxy laced lace top which is like this super simple lace pattern is it called boxy lace it's the cancun boxy lace top cancun boxy lace top because 
usually I think of it as a lacy box top, but that doesn't make any sense. Because that makes it sound like it's the top of a cereal box but that's made of lace. Anyway, it's in Tempting You Yarns. They actually like, so this is, Tempting You is the local dyers. Um, they're from Catonsville, Maryland. Um, and they actually like sort of custom dyed this. They were awesome. This like graphite dark like black gray um in like a sparkly dk weight yarn um because they didn't have any blacks when i went into the store and so it was just like i I really would like like a really nice good solid dark like slate gray black almost color and they're like perfect sounds good we'll be dying next week so just we'll let you know and they did it and it was wonderful and they do that kind of stuff all the time. They're basically. dying. I bought um, white alpaca at Maryland Sheep and Wool to make this um, sweet morning sweater. Um, it's a mm -hmm. turtleneck with a lace back and sleeves that's meant to be knit in 100% alpaca. Uh, anyway, I couldn't find a color I liked, but I found this gorgeous white. And Tempting Wool is dying at blue for me. Question. Yeah. Why is that meant to be dyed in alpaca? Why is the sweater meant to be done in alpaca? Yeah. Because of the well, way it drapes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The way that it drapes? Yeah, like the way... So alpaca's a lot drapier than wool. Um, and with the lace, I think it's also warmer. Alpaca is? I don't know. That I might be making up. I'd oh. have to look at my yarn book. But mm -hmm. um, like alpaca won't spring back to its shape in the same way wool will. So the fact that like, the way that back lace panel is, mm. you don't want it to be like up and rigid. You want it to be like draping over your ah, back. Ah, okay, cool. Very cool. Um, anyway. The other stuff I'm working on, I think I'm going to return to the Excuse Me Shawl because I've, I'm like really itching for brioche right now. I don't know why. Is that what you're going to pack? No, I don't think so. I think I'm going to pack because I'm also working on that Color Cravings, which I've also picked back up since I took the Eyeball Shawl. You've been knitting a lot in the last week. I really haven't. It's like I like when I say I've got, I'm like, I'm working on this and I'm working on that and I'm working on this. It's like I do like three garter ridges of each one and then I'm like I totally worked on that today but I didn't really I, but like the thing is with that color cravings is that it's actually it's a tougher knit than the pattern looks like it might be because the whole thing is you're basically knitting in like a really acute V shape mm -hmm. the entire time because like when you look at it it's got all of these like semi vertical um, like slanted garter ridges but each one of those is a row that you're doing. It's not like you're knitting one and then you come back and knit like an, at a different angle, if that makes sense. You're mm -hmm. basically knitting each row in this like acute V and that can be really difficult sometimes. So anyway, that's what I'm working on right now. That's what I've come back to in my glorious return to wool knitting. Okay, cool. Um, I just discovered I made a mistake being this heel again, but luckily I think I only caught it one row later. So if you hear me interrupt myself to count, that is why I'm thinking backward. Um, because I think I didn't decrease the first of the four I was supposed to do this round. Yay. <sighs> so, um. Knitting while podcasting. <laughs> I am working on, uh, the Merci Cherie socks, as I mentioned earlier now. Um, I'm trying to get the heel done because I want to submit this for the Harry Potter House Cup this month. Ooh, yeah. Talk about that. Um, it's just this... Uh, Wait, for this month? Yeah. So, 
Okay. I have to finish it by July 31st. Got it. Um, I have, I discovered it this month. It's a pretty well known from what I can gather. Um, it's a competitive knit along for multiple objects at a time, I guess might be the best way to describe it. Yeah. You described it to me earlier as making knitting into homework, which sounds like a personal help, but also sort of fun. Uh, I, Competitive knit along sounds more fun than turn turning knitting into homework. Yeah, but, but they're the same whatever to me. works for you, they're equally yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think I'm going to apply to be sorted in August. I probably won't be because you have to apply. Yes, every term. There's what three is, terms what a year. is what? Okay, I don't know. This I've never done it. Be, this is going to be a dumb question. What is term? No, like what do you mean? Like they do this every like they do it three times a year. It's three months, three times a year with three break months. And you get sorted every, every time? time? Yeah. These people are obviously the best people in the entire world. Then for... who sorts you? There's an entire team of people doing this for free in their spare time, like <sighs> running this thing. Ian, it's incredible. I'm going to make you look at the forums before you leave tonight. Oh, do I need to? The... Oh. oh, yeah, you do. You don't know about me and forums. I can't. <laughs> the... You know how? You know about forums? <laughs> you know about forums, Lee. <laughs> I don't know what you're getting They're at right too now. too much. Have you been on Reddit ever? Yes. It's so exhausting. During my Final Fantasy record keeper obsession, I like lived on Reddit. And well, then I rage quit when I didn't get one of Titus's weapons and it was really good for me, actually. <laughs> I only ever go on I only ever go on Reddit because I in order to see what the um the cast list will be for the upcoming RuPaul's Drag Race uh season. <laughs> because people in there they, they call it Nancy Drewing. On the on the RuPaul's Drag Race subreddit, where they just like people are like, so and so has not been on social media for three days and five hours, and I know that they're shooting this week, so I know that they're in the season. Like that's how, that's how they do it, and they're almost always like sixty percent right. So you usually find a couple queens that you didn't know about before. I don't anyway. think you're gonna find any drag queens on the Harry Potter knit- knitting and crochet. We have forums. so many drag queen listeners, though. I'm sure that like <laughs> to knit and also do drag and also get sorted three times a year. Yeah. Okay, so you. Were anyway, saying... I'm trying to finish these by the end of the month. Um. Right. That's like. So five I can submit days. them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I have like one and a half heels to go, so right. it's not like I'm aiming high here. Right. Um, and then I made a lot of progress on the yoga shawl. Um, yeah. I've got three buttonholes in. I'm almost to the fourth. And it's two inches between like every buttonhole. Out of 60 or something? It's right? 14 along the length and then 14 along the bottom. So basically, right. in terms of like measuring progress, I've got 11 more to go. Yeah. Because um, cool. obviously the ones at the bottom edge will all be knit at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't really make any progress on the mucklucks because I was on vacation. And I didn't want to pack a Fair Isle project. Right. So I'm probably going to knock these out, the, the socks I'm currently holding, um, probably tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I kind of have to decide what to cast on next because I don't like shawl. only having two projects on the needles. Shawl. I have to swatch that shawl and it's going to be really heavy and I sort of don't want to be doing that in the yoga shawl the simultaneously. The brioche shawl that you were? Yeah. It was the, what, brioche delicious by Andrew Dry Mauer, Mauer. Yeah, that thing. Is Renee her middle name? Is that what's going on? I have no idea. Probably though. Mm. Um, that, that was all the judgment you could get into a hmm. Um, she's great. I don't want two shawls by the same person on the needles at the same time. Oh, welcome to my life forever, <laughs> I know. Um, so I'm, I'm waiting and, and trying to figure out what I want to cast on next. A piece of me just wants to get right into another pair of like vanilla-ish socks, but I lent my pair of ones to a friend 
who decided to become a stock knitter, which right. I'm very excited and pr proud of her. Right. Um, and I want to use the one and a half for these gigantic Gryffindor stocks I'm planning, mm -hmm. which I don't want to do till after the Mucklucks. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Oh my God, I finished the eyeball shawl. You didn't bring it for me to play with. I know, I didn't. But guess what I did? This was really stupid of me, actually, because I finished it. Mm -hmm. So, eyeball shawl. For those of you who are not aware of what, what the eyeball shawl looks like, well, probably should pay attention to the title of that project because it looks like an eyeball. It's, um, and that's it. But it's got this really nice... Um, there are two options, either a brioche, like a two-color brioche border, or a two-color garter stitch border that the pattern calls for. So leave it to me to do neither. So I just didn't do either of them because I was like, fuck it, I'm done with this because it's made of cotton and linen and I'm going to die if I attempt to do brioche on this and also garter stitch, who cares? So I just went straight to the I-cord bind off and it actually looks really decent. I'm like pretty, I'm like pleased with it and I draped it around my shoulders and it is, it's really, really perfect as like a swimming cover up or something. You know, because it's made of cotton and linen, mm -hmm. so it essentially looks like a towel. I mean, it feels like a Except towel. Except for the part where it's not a square, because you didn't do any of the... It's not supposed to look like a square anyway. Everybody Even else I've the... seen has been rectangular with the eyeball in the middle. No, it still is like... Oblong? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's still supposed to have an eyeball shape. And in fact, if you do the brioche, the two-color brioche mm -hmm. border, you do something sort of special at like the, the tips, like the corners of the eyes or something, mm -hmm. what it's supposed to be. So that it actually kind of like points them a little bit more than what the actual pattern, because it's a bit oh. more rounded okay. on mine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it like, I'm I'm pretty pleased with it. So I did I did a stupid thing, which is I washed and blocked it with wool wash, but it's cotton and linen and there's no wool. Oh. But it didn't ruin anything. It was just. I don't think it would hurt it. No, and, but then and I did like pin block it, but like that didn't really do anything. It just like it's was, cotton. Well, yeah. it was just like my brain was like, this is not done until I've wet blocked it and then like washed it and pinned it down and everything. So mm -hmm. I had to do all that, and it's it looks good. I'm I'm like pleased with it. So I just have to put it in the mail and ship it off to my sister. Happy birthday in April <laughs> from me in July. So nice. I'm happy with that. And I actually, all the, I, in episode one, I talked about um, the spinning that I did of that BFL, finished that, and um, actually like took it off of the drop spindle and put it into a little skein. And we had some fun um, looking for stuff to weigh it down since it's like setting the twist and everything right now. So mm -hmm. um, that should be good to go once it dries up. And I think I'm going to do like a two-color brioche uh, cowl or something with that. So, yeah. So, that's finished. That's my finished object. Nice. Yeah. It looks really good. I'm pretty pleased with it. Yeah. And you finished blocking your scarf, right? I did. Is and that then the I... only thing that you finished? Your socks are basically done, except for the heels. But you've the finished, the scarves are what you finished, right? Yeah, the, the scarf. scarf. I mean, I didn't really finish anything in the last two weeks. I would have finished the socks had I been home, but I wasn't going to do an afterthought heel right. on vacation. Mm -hmm. um, so I also went to my mom's house and stole the original checkerboard lace scarf I knit for her because it needs to be reblocked. It was the first mm -hmm. thing I ever blocked, and I did a really mediocre job. Um, I also can't use wool wash on anything um, I blocked for my mom. What? Oh, because... 
Wait, why can't you use wool wash because there's lanolin in it? Because of all the allergens. My mom, anything I do for mom, my sister, or I, I block in baby shampoo. And I didn't soak it long enough. I basically just barely washed it. And I don't think I washed the baby shampoo out. Wait, so (laughs) So the wool wash has allergens? Yeah. Oh, because of like the lavender and all the scents. It's all uh, like the perfumed crap. But I wanted you to feel the difference. And I will post pictures of this to the Instagram once um, I've reblocked my mom's because I don't think the visual is as stark until they both lay flat. Mm-hmm. But it's just amazing what the exact same mm-hmm. pattern in two very different yarns achieves. Um, the I one like this I, one better. The Multiply. The Lajola. You're right that it needs re-blocked, but like, the, you, like you were saying earlier to me, the, like the stitch definition and everything that you get is, this is softer and it's beautiful. It's softer and it's lighter. So the one I did for my aunt yeah. in um, Knit Picks, Preciosa tonal fingering in the colorway Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, it's very light. Mm-hmm. It's very soft, mm-hmm. and it's pretty in the sense that the lace areas really seem to pop mm-hmm. against the background because the stitch definition in the non-lace areas is basically non-existent, so it blends together as a fabric. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the purple one I knit for my mom, it's very there's a lot of texture even to the mm-hmm. non-lace areas of the knitting yeah it's so much thicker it's also bigger uh, it was more of a winter scarf my aunt's is probably more mm-hmm. of a fall even though it's lace mm-hmm. but it was just it was a really interesting experience um to knit the same pattern into such starkly different yarns mm-hmm. and i do think like even from january which is when i think i bought that black yarn because it was the first black yarn in the right weight I came across from a source I've ordered from before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I wouldn't make any of the same decisions now. Like, I had no idea what a single was. I didn't know what it would do in lace. I feel like right. you and I have both learned so much about right. this craft since right. January. It's really remarkable. Right. Um, so I, that's sort of where I I'm mean, at. I mean, we're great. We're, we're perfect. We're and really we make no great. Mistakes, yeah. As I've screwed up this heel three times tonight yeah. now. Um, but yeah, so it was just, it was interesting to sort of touch both of them, especially to compare one of the first knitting projects I ever completed. Mm-hmm. Because that's from what, like a year or two ago? I finished it Christmas 2015. I started Damn. it in like January of 2014. I, this was the third thing I ever cast on. Mm. But like the seventh thing I ever finished because it was far too advanced. <laughs> well, it's kind of amazing that you cast that you like even attempted lace knitting that early I, you know? it, it was an it was a really good learning process actually i would recommend it i sort of mm-hmm. i have a mentality that i just assume i can do everything <laughs> right. and then i'll deal with the consequences when i can't but i've learned a right. lot along the way and actually i got lucky this lajola ba yarn held up really well to frogging, mm-hmm. which is good, because I frogged it multiple times. Mm-hmm. So, whereas the the Preciosa would not have been forgiving to that at all. It was basically like no, Velcro that yarn needle, is not. So. Yeah. Good that I did that as a much better knitter. Yeah. So, I, I'd definitely like to do more lace. I think we were kind of discussing earlier, my issue is that aesthetically, a giant sea of lace. Aesthetically. Aesthetically? Aesthetically. <laughs> You you said it correctly, you said it correctly. Okay. It's just like, it's very common for drag queens. I'm going to talk about drag queens a lot. Probably. That's good. I mean, this is. It's very common important. for drag queens for to be like, like my aesthetic is very like 
Alexander McQueen meets um, Betsy DeVos meets Betty um, Draper. Yeah, um, Betty Betty Draper. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of like like everyone is aesthetic. Mm. So you were describing your aesthetic, but you said it a little bit wrong in that you pronounced it aesthetic. You know. Thanks. I just wanted to make sure you knew <laughs> what you were doing. Thanks. Yeah, I just want to make sure that, that all of the thanks. drag queens that listen to this one. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, so you, you were saying aesthetically. Oh, lace, like a big sea of lace just isn't really something I think I'd wear. Little yeah. bits of it, accents. I, like, I, I think I mentioned the turtleneck I'm looking to knit this fall has a mm -hmm. lace back. Mm -hmm. But I just don't, like the big lacy shawls, I, I just haven't seen very many that don't give me a grandma's tablecloth vibe. Right. And I, like, they're beautiful pieces of art, but like, what am I going to do with that? Right. So I'm right. trying to figure out a way to incorporate knitting more lace without, you know, wearing my grandma's tablecloth. Yeah. Well, like, you're much more of like a Manhattan witch and not as much of like a Louisiana witch. Right. You're like, you're, you're more of like a Christine and not like a Stevie Nicks. A Christine what? Um, whatever her last name is, who's in Fleetwood Mac. She's the British one. And she's the one who, like, would not take Stevie Nicks' shit all that much. But she's much more like, you know. Are you Stevie Nicks? I'm more of a... I, I mean, I'm not going to say that I am Stevie Nicks. You're probably Stevie Nicks. I will say that, that like, her spirit is within me. <gasps> oh, my God. We have so... Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, I was just reminded of some music that, that we're going to have to come back to here in a second. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay, so other than knitting, what's on your mind? What's keeping you up at night? What is what is um, what do you need a, lo a lobotomy because of? Okay, so the number one thing that is ruining my existence right now mm -hmm. is the last Amelia Peabody novel. Right, is coming out on the twenty fifth, which is in two days. It's in two days. Holy moly. I have finished four of those books in the right. last five days, and I am about to finish the fifth. Wait, so I've heard you talk about these books a lot, but... Yes. I, they know, are my... For all of our millions of listeners. <laughs> they're my favorite book series of ever. Right. And they are about a Victorian archaeologist and her husband who also solve murders. But they're not. There's like, murder involved. Uh, they're mystery novels. Yeah, oh. they're all like. Mystery. Well, you said mystery. I didn't know that it was murder. M yeah, specifically murder. Okay. Um. So, I love them. They're perfect. I recommend them to everybody. They're they're one of those books that I, I can't promise everyone would love them because I don't know like how interested in the genre people are. But I, I'm confident that nobody would come back and be like, these were awful and terrible writing and right. not worth reading. Like, they might not be everybody's cup of tea, but they are utterly perfect as far as novels go. Right. I think I just made literally the same mistake. In your yeah. socks? Yeah. But how... I thought you replaced the stitch markers. No, 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 no. The mistake I did the one row before where I just uh, forgot to just increase or did the wrong thing. Oh, anyway. No. I, I hate everything. It's all a disaster. So, okay. But you've got these books coming <gasps> out. Oh, That's no. Fun. It's fine. I fixed it. I made it was I made a mistake at the end of the row, not the beginning. Oh, okay. So we're good. good. Um, so yeah, the, the there's 19 that are currently out along with a compendium. The author was actually an Egyptologist by trade. So oh, she, I actually didn't know that. That's she's really cool. published um, 
as a, a trained Egyptologist. Mm -hmm. So she writes under her real name when she's publishing Egyptological stuff. Mm -hmm. Then she publishes under Elizabeth Peters to write these mystery novels and I think a couple other series. And then she has a third nom de plume that I can't remember right now. Do you know where she went for each, for to get her PhD in Egyptology? Chicago. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and then... you know there are only like two schools in the world that you can actually go to and study that. One's in Germany, right? And... Well, like Oxford is really big and Chicago is really big, I think. I know if you um, want to be Germany an also. Egyptologist, German is actually the second language you should pick up. Yeah, or French, I hear. Mm -hmm. Like it's like French or German. Um, I looked because I almost applied to Chicago. Well, the historically a lot of the concessions for like excavation were given by the French. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff written in French. Like I don't think that's still the case, but like dating right. back a lot of historical records, you'd have to speak French, but a lot of the most um, influential scholars have been German. Right, and they publish in German and everything, right. so. Yeah. So anyway, that's so cool. long story short, this got incredibly long, is that the last book, she died four years ago. Right. And the last book comes out this week, and it was ghostwritten. Nobody knows how ghostwritten, like how much of the book she had finished before she died. And on top of that, she actually wrote the 18th book published was actually the n the end of the series. She had this habit, oh. this is the third one that will fill in a blank. So it's not like I'm waiting for the end of the series. I already know how it ends. Right. But this book inserts between my two favorites. Right. And it's arguably the only two that are so intertwined that like you can't not read them one after another. The rest of them function pretty well as standalone novels. Like you benefit from seeing how the characters evolve and grow over the 19 books. Right. But the mysteries are pretty self-contained. Right. Whereas these two are like the only two that I would tell somebody you have to read both. Right. Right, right, right. And they're, the next new one maybe wasn't written by her and is going directly between the two. And so, oh, so I, you're um, afraid it's going to fuck everything up. Yeah, and these are like, these have been my favorite novels since I was 12 years old, and they have grown with me. And it's not like Harry Potter, which I still very much love, but very right. much view as like a children's book that has a lot for adults. Right. Like these were books that I had no right understanding at 12 and kind of didn't. Right. That I just fell in love with some of the characters and only really appreciate now. Right. Right. So. Uh, at least I have a good ending. At least I can light this on fire and pretend it never right. happened if it sucks. But also, like, if it, yeah, exactly. Like, if it fucks everything up, then you can blame it on not Elizabeth Peters. Right, right? but I'm also living in fear. Right. Okay, so I also have, you know, just kind of like a very high, uh, highbrow literary <laughs> contribution to talk about as well, which is The Vampire's Magical Touch and. Uh, uh, an alpha beta <laughs> alpha beta mpreg supernatural uh gay romance novel what is mpreg ian for those who don't know <laughs> oh because you know right oh, I okay know. yeah this is not for your benefit mpreg is a very interesting <laughs> it's a very interesting subgenre of usually gay uh, romance novels which is uh centered it's they're centered around the concept of male pregnancy Mpreg is male pregnancy. Mpreg is male pregnancy. And we're not talking like, um, we're not talking about like male pregnancy as it like currently exists in the world, which is like if there's like a trans man who happens to have a uterus or something and, and then can get pregnant and then has a baby, right? Mm -hmm. Like that happens. No, we're talking about like literally 
vampires fucking other vampires and then impregnating them because quote they forget how volatile vampire sperm is that's in this book (laughs) get ready people because you thought you were going to listen to a knitting podcast but we are going to talk about uh, vampire pregnancies so anyway it's by Van Cole I finished it on I basically started and finished it on the, the trip this weekend and it was really nice because it was just like all gay climbing, but also uh, vampire on vampire uh, male pregnancy action. The novel's basically about two vampires, Everett and Andy, who fall in love. One of them, surprise, he's a magician. <laughs> the surprise isn't the vampire, it's the magician. <laughs> no, they, they, they like spoil it page one of like Ed, Everett <laughs> is a vampire. It's basically like Everett's a vampire. He's he's real lonely. Better go to this ma- magic shop or whatever. But it's like a hotel or whatever. But then surprise, one of them's an alpha. The other one is a beta. And who boy, do you not want to get those two together? Why not? Unexplained. <laughs> Good. I think that this. I think that this author because like alpha beta. Okay. Alpha Beta in supernatural romance novels is like actually a very common thing. Also, Alpha Omega is a very common thing, but Alpha Omega is very specific to werewolf shape-shifting in impreg romance novels. How are you doing over there? I'm gonna mess up this song again! <laughs> <laughs> I really... Okay, so... I should be switching and I'm not. This is knitting-related, though, because I now I do need to do... I need to become a good enough knitter to design an entire collection that's based around Mpreg, Alpha Omega, Alpha Beta, Supernatural Romance Novels. Can I read these titles now? Yes. So, okay, so Van... I, I do want to finish yeah. oh, a sorry, brief yeah. description mm-hmm. of this book mm-hmm. because, like, synopsis, two vampires fall in love. They have a real rough night of lovemaking after falling in love. <laughs> then one of them, oh, no, he's pregnant. So he gets pregnant, and then... Um, but they never confirm that he's pregnant, really, in the moment. It's just like, like, well, shouldn't have had sex as an alpha-beta coupling. We know how, quote, volatile vampire sperm can be. And then, literally, it's like the next chapter. It's like, chapter three, the pregnancy goes off without a hitch. Like, they don't ever say, he is pregnant. You know what I mean? They just say, like, congrats, a baby's there. But then... <laughs> Then, come to find out... Question. Spoiler. In yeah. How... What does the baby come out of? Oh, unexplained. <laughs> because... This is my next point. Because... I'm just picturing someone, like, shitting out a baby. <laughs> that's what I thought was going to happen. But it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because Andy is... Andy, I think, is the pregnant one. He starts going... He starts going into contractions, as you do when you're having a baby as a vampire. Then Everett, who's supposed to be helping him, he just can't handle the whole situation. He loses his mind and then ends up passing out. So Everett passes out. Then everybody comes to, surprise, there's the baby. How did it get there? Nobody knows. But guess what? We do know. And it's because Everett's mom delivers the baby through surrogacy in the 11th hour. How does that work? Unexplained. <laughs> and there's literally a moment... Does the baby, like, travel through space-time? It's unclear. Because Sylvia, the mom, quote, has been watching them this whole time, 
And then, but she was never in Everett's life the entire time before. It was just like, she was just watching them because she knew she could sense that there was this alpha beta pregnancy baby about to come out. And then she was like, some shit's going to hit the fan. I know it. And so she was there and good thing she was there because they needed a female vampire to deliver this baby through surrogacy. When a vampire is born, not turned, is it like a normal vampire? How does it grow up? Unclear. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. Because guess what? They smash cut to five years later. <laughs> no explanation. But it's like a five-year-old vampire child? Is it still yeah. an infant? Is mm-hmm. it an adult now? Does it's it a five. Su- does it super age like Renesmee? No. Nothing super ages like Renesmee. <laughs> that CGI baby. But it was very Renesmee. It was very Renesmee meets um, Claudia. Mm. But mm-hmm. she was five. Her and her name is Clarissa. Okay, so they were she they were really ripping off <laughs> Anne Rice in this one. <laughs> anyway, so also smash cut to um, turns out that that having a baby alpha beta. How much time do we need to spend on this? Because I am ready to fully give you all the details. I need of this to book. read okay some of the titles. Okay, I'll, 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 emotionally, I'll, I'll move it. I'll move more quickly. So turns out having a baby through an alpha beta vampire romance is strictly forbidden by whom no idea <laughs> there's no like volturi, volturi that, not that, that the volturi exists. made sense okay right but there's like there's none of that so but then there, apparently there's this other vampire edgar who we never meet no he's not a vampire oh god he's just a human who is under sylvia's spell the entire time so anyway he's trying to kill them and trying to kill clarissa the baby and then meanwhile... You have lost me. New chapter, right? <laughs> new chapter, all of them are like, well, Edgar's trying to kill all of us because we had this baby out of, like, vampire wedlock or whatever, right? So then, but then, like, as soon as they realize that, because this is a romance novel, Ed, um, Everett and Andy, the couple, they have to have sex, sex again. And this is when they just, like, surprise, like, well, it's the bathroom. Guess we gotta have sex. <laughs> they immediately, as soon as they're done having sex, one of them says, well, we don't have much time to lay around because Edgar the Vampire is trying to kill us also and our good daughter, Clarissa. It, like, <laughs> it's like, they're immediately like, we have to do this. And the writing is, like, top notch. Anyway, long story short, Sylvia thinks that he gets vampire madness because he takes this old woman out of the during his magic show into a box and then does saw her in half and there's blood everywhere and they and does kill her. And then he's like, "No, just kidding. That was Edgar and I knew it." And he kills Edgar the vampire and they're all safe. But real cliffhanger ending because Sylvia's like, "I'm turning this daughter, this granddaughter of mine into a vampire monster." So she wants to take over the world. Anyway, that was Vampire's Magical Touch. That's what's on my mind. And that's what's keeping me up at night. Holy it was by God. Van Cole, who is also the art, the author of a number of other amazing... So, Ian came over insisting I have to read this book, and apparently it's already off of the Kindle. So I can't read it. It doesn't exist in the Kindle <laughs> store anymore. But... It's on my Kindle. You can use my Kindle. And my phone. I but will. anyway, go ahead. So anyway, the point is, we started researching all of his other novels. Van Cole's other... I have not written any novels. Van Cole's novels. So, I think my personal favorite, and one, all of these covers are beautiful. The cover art is... It's like Renesmee as two gay men. Art. But, for some reason, with these particular novels, they feel the need to explain, like, the major plot points in the titles. Yep. So, 
this one is probably my favorite. Breaking Away, Gay Sports Second Chance Hockey Romance Bisexual Male Male LGBT Romance Book One. <laughs> Why does, what is Second Chance though? What is Male Male Bisexual? Male Male Bisexual. <laughs> you have the words. <laughs> How is that so difficult to understand? It's so good. Um. Okay. Okay, so what other titles are you working with over there? <laughs> Sorry! So I just clicked on this one because I saw that someone had actually reviewed it. It's called In the Oh, end was it me? Probably. No, it's called In the End Zone MM Sports First Time Romance. Ian only reads the supernatural ones. So the yeah, ones no, that are I'm not just interested sports, in the sports ones. Yeah. But I was about to talk about all of the MMM pairings. Mm -hmm. However, the one review for In the End Zone caught my eye. It's long. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will read the end. This is in the end zone? Mm -hmm. Oh, they know what they're doing. The most that. annoying thing was a massive misuse of pronouns throughout, <laughs> perhaps over 50%. I'm not sure if this was a writing flub or a publishing error. It almost seemed as if some of the sexual sections were written for an MF connection. The word clitoris was even used <laughs> instead of an MM storyline. <laughs> So what I think has happened is they just cut and paste from they a just, regular, from a male female romance novel. Like they're taking like Danielle Steele. Well, and they just like control F'd for her, <laughs> but they look for words like clitoris. Oh, or words like cavern. That's what they use a lot. In but this here's one. the problem: cavern can technically be used either way. Yeah, but shaft. If there's how many shafts are we talking about? Kate and I had a set of romance novel um, fridge magnets. We still do. Why did I say pad? We have tons of them. Uh -huh. And my favorite one is Moist Grotto. <laughs> we use Moist Grotto for everything. Oh god, it's so awful. Anyway, the oh Dragon's Little Secret, gay Empreg Shifter romance. Dragon's Little Secret? Mm-hmm. Oh that dragon's stuck has in so the middle secrets. Gay MMM suspense romance. It's so like, I almost understand, like, alluding to the sexual content in the title, because it's like, hey, we all know what we're after here. And suspenseful but, like, sex. But what is suspense romance? Like, that's literally not even a genre. Because it's like, I want, a rom I want suspense romance to be like, like, you know it's a romance novel, but you want to get so far into the book before anyone has sex, so you're like, wait, is anyone going to have sex in this book? And that's the suspense. You know oh, what I mean? okay. So remember how earlier I, I found one called Three's a Crowd, A Second Chance, Book Two, LGBT, MMM, Second Chance Romance. Oh, did you find book one? I found book one, and this is not going to matter to listeners, and I am so sorry, but Ian, you have to look at the two covers. They just <laughs> took the first one and made it smaller and photoshopped the third guy into the background. So that's the first oh, one, the first and the one. second one is like six up from it. It's oh, so bad. This it's... is probably the episode cover for our... For <laughs> Wait, which one is... It's not Billionaire to the it's Rescue. It's a second chance. A second chance. Oh, yeah. LGBT MM. And then scroll up like oh, six. You know what's really embarrassing is I had that exact haircut because every gay man had that exact haircut. Um, yeah, also, Run With It and On Thin Ice also have nearly identical covers. Three's a crowd! Oh, and they just <laughs> added another guy back in the background! They, like, shrunk the first cover oh, awkwardly not to scale and photoshopped God. a third dude into it. <sighs> I like this one. Just Married, Gay Sports Comedy Romance. <laughs> Which, once again, like, comedy romance does not need to be in the title. Oh, this one's just called Omega Twink. <laughs> 
I know exactly what I'm getting from that, though. Like, with yep. two words, they really conveyed a purpose. Yeah, Omega and Twink. That one, okay, I do know too much about Alpha Omega romance novels, though. But is there such a thing as too much? Oh, man, this was so good. This is all on Amazon, by the way, mixed in with a lot of addiction treatment <laughs> regimens. Addiction treatment, a strengths perspective, 23 treatment of chemical depressed. And weirdly, a book on Jorn Vandersloot. <laughs> just still don't know why that oh, was mixed in. <laughs> <laughs> He's a guy that murdered that. Natalie Holloway, the Ruba, and then oh murdered that God. other girl in the hotel. Oh my God. And they, he still hasn't been convicted of the Natalie Holloway thing because they never found her body. Holy shit. You know who she's married to? Not her her mother. Yeah. Uh, she's married to John Bonet's dad. John Bonet's dad. Um, Mark? Lindsay? Um, no, Something? Patsy was the mom. John. John. Yeah, the I dad was John. Yeah. Uh, however, deals. his Wikipedia does not confirm that. Wikipedia is not a source. I'm oh. just pointing this out. It's a source. So what's your second thing? Um. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so. Okay, so. Lane just tried on her sock, and it looks amazing. I just needed to point that out. With a huge it hole in the beautiful. heel. You tried it on with... You've got DPNs on the heel, and it looks... It just looks beautiful. So... Thank you. You're going to need to make sure to post that, and then everyone check out Instagram. It'll probably be... so goddamn good. Blocked by, so like, good. Wednesday. I'll put it on the Instagram. Yeah. Good. So, Lana Del Rey just came out with a new album. How do you feel about her? Oh. I love her. She's such a queen. There's so much Lana Del Rey news, actually, though. New album... This one has a song with Stevie Nicks on it, by the way. Oh, you say that like I care about Stevie it's Nicks. It's her and Stevie Nicks, and it's called Beautiful People, Beautiful Problems, and it's like, Beautiful people, beautiful problems, or something like that. And it's How close good. is it to Madonna's Beautiful Stranger? Um, it's blasphemous, but I don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> okay. I just know that Madonna song that's like, Time goes by. So slowly. That's the only Madonna song? And like, you know, Papa Don't Preach and Like a Virgin and all the, and like DJ put a record on and dance with my baby. That one. Music. It's just called music. I think it was on Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Lana Del Rey's new album, Lust for Life. It's amazing. Stream it immediately. Probably just stop listening to this podcast and just go stream it right We're now. We're basically at the end. I'm yeah. fine with that. Um, it's amazing. Um, she has a song on it with Aesop Rocky. She has two songs on it with Aesop Rocky and has a song with Stevie, with Stevie Nicks and Stevie Nicks. It's so beautiful and their voices blend so perfectly. And Lana Del Rey has confirmed that she did participate in, uh, that witchcraft session when everybody put a hex on Donald Trump. She, she like hinted at it one time. She like retweeted the day of and was like, with like a little like, like, um, for the record, we participated in this as well. We could not find a small orange candle, so we ended up throwing a like. We went three, to Walmart and we had. To, oh, did we? We throw like, like a entire... three-inch thick <laughs> orange candle into the swamp water. <laughs> yeah, it was. We're ceremonial. swamp witches. We are swamp witches. And um, so that happened. And apparently, someone asked her. They were like. So, you know, your music is really all about like Americana and loving America and everything. So. Is it more difficult for you to do that now in the political in our political climate with Trump as president, you know, given your political leanings and everything? Because she's like, 
psycho liberal but like really xanaxed up and on weed all the time so not as loud about it um and she was like i don't know it's going to be really weird when i do concerts in like france but i feel like we're in like a static time in america so i feel like what i'll probably do in places like france is instead of having the flag on giant screens while i'm performing waving in the wind i'll just have the flag still but on the screen and that was her answer <laughs> to that wow. so detailed an answer and she's just she's an icon and a legend and a star so anyway i just wanted to that that's that's it those are my things okay i talked a lot about my things and about that have nothing to do with knitting but you know but we both knitted the whole time, so it counts. So it does count, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, give Lust for Life a listen. Give Van Cole a second chance. Or a first chance. gay, comedy, book one, <laughs> paranormal romance. Yeah, spicy out. Spi- <laughs> spicy out. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening to the Witches Get Stitches podcast. Yeah, thank you, guys. We had a lot of fun talking about... Vampire sex and so much wool. It was good. Yeah. Um, so make sure to uh, favorite us on Anchor if you're listening via Anchor. We're working real hard to get this thing up on iTunes as an actual podcast. So stay tuned for more information on that. Um, it's Witches Get Stitches Pod on Instagram. Uh, and it's Witches Get Stitches Pod on Ravelry as well. Mm hmm. And if you have any comments or feedback or just want to get in touch, suggest new impreg romance novels, whatever, we are at wgspod at gmail.com. And uh, as usual, show notes along with all the patterns, yarns, whatnot we mentioned and are currently using will be up on Ravelry. Yes. As soon as I can stand to listen to my own voice. Yes. Slash probably also with more information about those patterns and stuff than... I even really bothered to give you on this podcast. So look out for those deets. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you when Ian's back. Spicy out. <laughs>